Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Who podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Mables, a.k.a. J. Mapes, here as always with Kings. Kings, what's going on, my bro? Yes, sir, man. You know, feeling good, feeling good. Busy, swamp, but we're going to get through it. Dr. Kings, man. Dr. Dr. Kings on the way. On the way, man, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, we got a few things to talk about tonight. Uh, Let's start with the Utah Jazz. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, so back-to-back, Ross was on the road, gave up 20-point leads. Uh, I think we both said it before the season. It might be time to pack them up. We actually did say it's time to pack them up. Yep. They just absolutely fold their last couple of games. One time, give up a 20-point lead to the Warriors. And then earlier in the week, did the same thing to the Clippers, back-to-back on the road, 20-point L's. We both feel like it's time for this whole thing to to die. They're holding on for dear life. Um, I, my suggestion was to move Rudy and Mitchell because that is not a free agency destination. Stack those picks and try to Memphis that thing, bro. Let Nikhil Alexander Walker, you know, shoot you to the number one pick of the 2024 NBA draft, baby, and then <laughs> and go from there. So where where are you with this jazz? I know you have some things you want to get off your chest with them. Yeah, man. I mean, we still have people this year uh, still hanging on to the to the Rudy uh, slander that you know it's not him <laughs> that the wise folks have given up already a while ago because you actually watch them defend, bro. Like we have people, you know, talk about he's more of a liar. Like I I propose first of all that Rudy goes to the, to the Mavericks. I think he fits what they want to do on both ends of the floor very very well. Um, but he had people talk about he's a liability. I'm like, what is he a liability at? He's a liability at things he should not be doing. Like, you, he shouldn't be a perimeter defender. That's not his role. He's actually, a, I have some I have some data on that when you're done. That's his yeah, no, and, 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 and that's that's a point. Like, he actually does better than what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm sorry he can't bail out all the piss poor perimeter defenders that right. Utah has. Like, I'm sorry he can't do that. Uh, he's a he is a uh, all time drop defender. I mean, you saw how much, how important Brooke Lopez's drop was to the Milwaukee Bucks defensive scheme. So to act like, you know, because he can't, you know, sit down on the outside, like like, like he's a Ron Artest in his prime, or like, or sorry, Metta World Peace in, in the prime in his prime on the Indiana Pacers. Like, I'm sorry he can't do that, but that's not his role. His job is supposed to be a drop defender. He's supposed to position himself in the inside, get rebounds, box out, which he does at a high level, do all the dirty work in terms of uh, screening positioning, sealing guys off, which he does at a high level. And then when he gets to the outside on the perimeter, he's supposed to compete as best as he can, which he does. The other guys are supposed to be able to rotate. The other guys are supposed to be able to, to box out. The other guys are supposed to know how to do help side defense. And the other guys are supposed to stay in front of their man. They don't do that. That's not his fault. Like That is not Rudy Gobert's fault. But you know who can do that? Penny Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Brunson, Reggie Bullock. Luka Doncic this year has now decided to play defense. They can do that in Dallas. And you know what else they can do in Dallas? They can make an entry pass that Donovan Mitchell doesn't seem to <laughs> want to do whenever he plays uh, with Rudy Gobert. I know there was an interesting stat somebody said. Somebody said uh, Trey Young has more assists to Clint Capella 
then Donovan Mitchell has passes to Rudy Gobert this season. Yeah, wow. did, did you see the, the average number of passes? Well, I'll go up the average number of passes he makes to – so Donovan Mitchell, with his usage rate the way it is, he averages two passes a game to Rudy Gobert. It's, it's unbelievable. With it's the crazy. amount of screens that he sets at pick and roll, that's how many passes he averages to, to Rudy Gobert. I think that highlight was very damning last night when Rudy had the guard buried underneath the basket and nobody threw the ball to him. They just yeah, it was clear. And I think and you know and you know the funny that and that's the thing that's not new. Yeah, like, a lot of a lot a lot of Jazz fans who where they said that's not that's a, that's a normal occurrence game again. Our mutual brick has been saying that for the past uh, two years. He says that Dominic Mitchell can't make an entry pass through to go bare for whatever reason. He's been telling me that for the past two years, and it just gets worse and worse. I don't know if because Donovan wants to be on his way out and go to New York, but I mean, <laughs> Rudy Gobert for what he does is very, 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 very good. And I think on a team like Dallas that has cheaper contracts and, you know, has good role players that they don't want to overpay. They found a guy in Reggie Bullock who can do what THJ does for a fraction of the price. Um, and you know what I'm saying? I think with, for them and what they run, like, I just think it makes more sense to pay a guy like Rudy to come in there be the screen guy for Luca. Luca will easily get Rudy 18 points a game on 70% shooting because he's gonna he doesn't know how to make entry pass. He's gonna know how to throw a lob. You know what I'm saying? And Rudy Gobert can actually clean up. Like you know, like Dallas does a good job of staying in front of their man, staying on a string, competing on the outside. Add Rudy Gobert to that, man, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough to be able to score on those guys because now if they do make a mistake, you do get by. Now you gotta deal with that. And if you want to take you know Rudy out the paint and, and uh, try and think you can take away the rim protection. We have Finney Smith, who's a great guy at, uh, you know, positioning. Getting in. You also have Luca, who's also great at uh, c- coming down there and using their, their length to kind of, to bother guys at the rim. So it's not going to be like Utah where you take out Rudy and now nobody's there to help. Nah, Dallas got some guys who are going to come down in there and make it, make it tough for you. So it's going to be real team defense with Rudy, and he's going to improve them on both ends of the floor. And, uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit more of why I like that move because this kind of goes into my whole notion of, where team building is heading towards. Oh yeah, we got a, we got a whole topic. So on I'll, I'll save that for for why I think it makes sense because I know what people are saying. Well, Rudy's not real start. They need real start. No, they don't actually need it. If you actually look at me, no, they don't actually need it. They right. don't. They don't. But I will get into that later. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of Donovan, man. Yeah, that's what I, that was, was going to ask you. Where what do you feel on the on the on the Donovan Metro just, side? Just send, just send bro to spot. Just send that bro to New York and let him learn the hard way. Like I mean, he thinks he's gonna, you know, he wants to do it for his brand. It's a salute to him. He wants to get his brand up, whatever. But I mean, enjoy it, bro. It's, it's like you know that hunting big markets, not caring about the fit, not caring about the hoop stuff. It's not. I mean, if you if, if you're if you're if your goal is outside hoop, I get it. But if, if your goal is to try and be successful, who good luck? You know what I mean? That's all I have to say for you. And I'm Hope crying you because all, all the stuff he don't do now, the team's going to make, make him do it there. The defense and <laughs> moving yeah. the ball. All, all I know is, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, the Utah Jazz and New York Knicks need cat filling, Russell Westbrook is is available. I think Westbrook, I think New York is really an undercover destination for, for Westbrook if that happens, just for the future ramifications. I, I really don't think he will be. I think it, 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 the, the Utah Jazz trade, Donovan in New York, I think the Lakers, could, if they really were aggressive, could come in and say make a three-team where you send D-Mitch to New York. Uh, the Lakers will now send the expiring contract to Utah right. because you know the New York Knicks got guys on two-year deals left, so you can can send Russell Westbrook's expiring, and then the Lakers can take Alec Burke, 
the Edmund Fournier, uh, the Mitchell Robinson type of uh, longer term deals that the Jazz wouldn't want. The Jazz can just eat Russell contract for a year and then take all the then take New York's first and then take the Lakers second. I just want to let you know you sending Russ to Utah. You know he got beef with them fans, man. <laughs> I mean, he, he they can pay him to stay home. It's like it's only a year. It's, they'll be taking it. They'll be tanking anyway. <laughs> I mean, they'll be tanking anyway. So here's my thing with the going back to the to the Utah and the whole drama situation. My 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 pendulum on Rudy has swung. Um, just the more I dive deep into it, he used to be really bad on switches. So that you know that you know how that gets once they get out right, the right. narrative sticks. He suddenly became like, yeah he suddenly that was like became, the hardened yeah, right, days. right he suddenly became an excellent hedge out and switch defender. He just does everything on defense elite. The issue is, if you watch the Utah Jazz, is Rudy cannot punish teams for going small on the other end. So yeah. they're able to pull him out in space, mm-hmm. and it's he just can't he just can't score on smaller guys. And that's why they pull him out in space, no rim protection. They take advantage of Utah's bad defenders. So that's the issue with giving him, you know, damn near a supermax. To your point, with Luca on the team, your offense isn't going to struggle. So I see why you think the the Dallas Mavericks are, are a good fit. So I get that. So I think that's that that's the issue of Rudy Gobert is that when teams go small to eliminate him offensively, to eliminate him defensively, he can't punish them on the other end. And I think you saw that we saw that in the Clippers series, but defensively, you saw when he was on the floor when they played the center, he was dominant. Well, that's it. They went up two zero. He was dominant. Um, say like tonight, I was watching the the Pelicans Jazz game. Pelicans play small ball. You know, um, Zubac has fourteen and ten at halftime. You know what I mean? It's like you got you got to rethink your whole strategy there because he's just killing you inside. I just I don't think Gobert has that offensive. You know, Zubac's got good touch, good footwork. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you play small, he's gonna kill you. I just don't think Gobert has that. Like that, that's the last step to his game, and so you, you can't eliminate him offensively or defensively. Excuse me. I think that I think where you can where you can make him functional, uh, and this is this is the issue that Utah has. Because nobody knows how to make an entry pass on that team, apparently. Uh, like, you know, Rudy Gobert's not a guy you can just dump in. He's going to get right. position. He's going to use his footwork to get to the seat. He's a guy where he, if he seals, if he has a if he has an opening, you have to get hit. You have to hit him immediately. Or he's a guy where you have to use your dribble breakdown to to draw in his defender to create, which is what Luca. You, can, you, you can't hit him on the run. <laughs> yeah, you can't hit him and say, hey, go go beat that guy one one nah, you have to right. You have to spoon feed him. Or you have to catch him where he's where he's worked his butt off to get good position, and then he just catch, you know, one drop step finish. Right. Like, so it, it requires a good passer, it requires a willing passer, and uh, Utah doesn't have that right now. Right. Their best was Joe Ingles. Yeah. Right. And then on the the Donovan side of it, I think we just seen it, man. It, it, it's hard for players to kind of pretend when they don't want to be somewhere, man, or, or they don't they don't you know vibe with a teammate. I mean, this is apparently clear that him and Rudy. Mm-hmm. That's had some issues beyond the hoop court. And obviously, I think we've always seen guys say the right things, are professional in the media, but it kind of always finds a way to show itself. And it's like, like your highest, your highest usage player making two passes a game to your starting center, who is a very effective uh, role guy, provides vertical spacing. Like that's alone says a lot right there. You know what I mean? So I, I think you just, I don't know. Why, why do you think on a side note, real quick, so why do you think these guys just, just linger in these places they know they don't want to be? Just to, <laughs> I just want to, 
I mean, like I told you, it's because he, he already he already signed his max. So that's why, like, I'm like, all right, you you you're you're locked in. Like, so wh- why? So why why do you think that? My thing is with the but if I correct me if I'm wrong, but Rudy, I mean that Mick Donovan didn't sign his extension to this past summer, right? Double check that right now. You keep going up and double check it right now. Yeah, because if he didn't do it to his past summer, remember, I, 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 I was telling you, that's the new that's the new thing now. I was telling you, where you sign your big contract because you know you get more money when you sign with the team that drafted you. And then you then you demand the trade. Where it's like, you can leave in free agency, sure, but you're going to get significantly less. You talk about much of like over 10 M's less per year almost. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, nah, they're not going to pass that up. You definitely want to stay with your team, sign that contract, and then tell them, hey, I want out of here. You know, so that's why I'm not shocked. It, you know, I, and I think he signed that extension in this past offseason, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he, signed, he signed it in November 2020, but I think it didn't kick in. So I think it didn't kick in, right, until this, until this offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this offseason is when he – so this is the first year of his contract. It makes sense why you're now hearing he wants out. Like, it, it's, the, it's, it's exactly what I, I anticipate a lot of these younger guys would do. Get the most money you can and then ask out. That's but you know, I, think, I think would also be – not, not necessarily have to do with him, but – even though they were that number one seed and he didn't get all NBA. Um, so he had a 163 mil base, which would have hopped to 195 if he makes all NBA. And they were a one seed. And he was a leading scorer and didn't make any of the three all NBA teams. Remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he got hurt by that one. He was hot. I know he was hot. Yeah, so. That he was, was trying to milk Utah for all he could get. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens to Utah. But I think we both agreement it's time to go. I think the smart way is to for Utah is not a free agent hotbed. Uh, you know, cash those two in, truckload of picks, and then uh, you know, start from the bottom, you know, scarf from scratch, even if you know either Quinn's your guy or he isn't. I think, you know, he's kind of run his course uh there. They max it out. They got that one seat, didn't do it that year with those injuries, man. And, and, and you know what you just said is exactly why I think Russ is a great destination for a three team trade because it's like you know, you go to New York, they have, like I said, they have those multi-year deals with those actually good, decent bets that will win you games you're not supposed to win. And uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's like with Russ, you get a guy who you don't have to play. He's only one year left on his deal. And uh, your Lakers can give you maybe one first or a second because you know you're going to get your first from the New York Knicks. And it's like, it's like man, it's, it's, make, it's the easiest way for the Lakers to get off Russ's contract is to call up Utah Tell Utah to send Donnie to New York where he wants to go. You'll they'll Utah get their picks. They'll get their expiring contracts so they won't be on the book for anything. And it's a win. It's a win-win for everybody. Like that's right. a, that three team trade is a win-win for everybody. It makes it's there's no reason why it shouldn't happen, but because it's so logical, I just don't expect the Lakers to go through with it because it's just too logical for them to do it. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. but but that's a great trade, I think, because Don like. That's the that's the that's the team Donnie wants to play for. He wants to go to the Knicks. You know the Knicks want to make CAA. He wants the Knicks want to make that splashy you know trade for a young star that they're going to use to try and pair Zion. Look, uh, it will be, all hell will break loose when Zion signed that extension. He said, "I want to trade." <laughs> I hope it don't come to that point, but that's what it's looking like. Milk well, the team for as much money as possible, and then demand the trade when it go wrong. Well, it looks like. The, the Pelicans are actually trying to steer the ship in the right direction, so at least they at least they trying to make it hard now. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens going forward. I feel like Don, like Zion will do that thing where like we'll give it a year, see where yeah. it goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, moving on, the team that made a comeback against the Jazz, Clay and Poole, went crazy for the Warriors in that comeback. Clay couldn't make anything in the first half, made everything in the second half, finished with 36. Poole finished with 30. It was just uh, a special dynamic duo performance while Utah just crumbled. Uh, on the flip side of that, they did announce that Steph was not going to play anymore in the regular season, uh, going to try to get him going in the playoffs. Man, so the, the Warriors are hanging on to that three by a thread, trying to keep Dallas off. <laughs> trying to keep Dallas off. Um, I feel I honestly, I honestly feel like they should get the four. Uh, well, yeah, well, we'll see. I just, I'm trying to think about. So let's discuss this. Uh, just bringing Steph in, Cole Turkey in the playoff games, and right now where they're set up, the series is going to be hard regardless. You're going to end up with likely Denver. Minnesota, if they can, you know, get on a hot run these last four games, it's probably Denver right now. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm uh, looking at right now. Um, how do you feel about Steph just coming back cold turkey right into you know playoff atmosphere of basketball? He is a, a a ten plus year vet, so there's that. But how in general do you feel about him coming injury into you know high leverage basketball? I don't feel worried at all because of teams who would play as Denver and Utah and he'll fry those dudes on the drop. So I don't <laughs> that'll actually be a perfect that'll actually be a perfect tune-up series for him to get, get back into into um into shape. But the the reason I say I think the Warriors actually want the four because look who you get in the first round. Utah is completely dysfunctional. You get Utah in the first round that's completely dysfunctional. And then you go to the second round, who do you get? You get the team you actually match up well with the the, oh. the Phoenix Suns. Like you get the team that you actually match up with in round two that you can use as your way to really, you know, work on all your playoff adjustments, battle, you know, go to war with a battle-tested playoff contender that you actually can match up well with and get all your guys ready for one of the teams you don't match up well with, Monday being the Grizzlies or the other one being <laughs> the more revamped physical Dallas Mavericks. So that's why I'm like, if you're the Warriors – you probably want the four seed because that's the easiest way for you to get to the final because now you avoid your bad matchups until the Western Conference final so you can work on everything you need to work on, on all the favorable matchups, and then you get to the Western Conference final, and then you go to war. The, la the last thing you want to do is go into the second round and play a Memphis Grizzlies or a Dallas Mavericks and go seven-game series right before you play uh, Phoenix Suns who probably just had an easy easy walk through all the way to the Western Conference final. Now the team you do – if you do survive, if you do survive, which – it's not very not not very likely, you know. Now you have to play a team that probably was, you know, recharged. That you probably gave your all. Draymond probably sacrificed his body and all that type of stuff to keep those, you know, physical uh, <laughs> and, and physical uh, wings out the paint. And it's like now you have to go play Aiden and them after you gave your all playing teams that you didn't match up with. So if if you're the if you're the Golden State Warriors, do not be upset if you're the four seed. You probably want the four seed. That's that's what I'm looking at. I was like, that's probably what you want right now. Yeah, I think that's that's sound on outside, but I think with the coaching staff who's been there, and then those those big three who's who's battle tested, I don't think they care. They don't care. Their, their whole they yeah, their whole their whole vibe all season was, especially late after that hot start. Just let's let us get to the playoffs healthy. Well, yeah, they don't. Like they care. didn't push Draymond at all. They're not going to push Steph at all. They definitely, you know, held Clay out as long as possible. Clay had to like itch to, to fight to get back, you know, when he did. They were still trying to take it slow. They just want to get healthy, and the Warriors feel like they can win anywhere just because of their their championship pedigree, which is how most champions think. You know what I mean? So it doesn't surprise me. But I think your theory was sound, though. 
I think the four seed definitely offers <clears throat> better matchups for them. Like you said, uh, Denver, j- just because – actually, hold up, timeout. I forgot. With Denver being the Lakers today, Denver jumped to five. And now Utah six. So right now they actually will play Utah if it happens. So just to, so right now they're set up with Utah, which, which I agree is a better matchup for them given the just the schematic, how it works schematically, and with the dysfunction going on in Utah. So just for the record, your your Timberwolves are one and a half behind. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, Utah's four and six their last ten games. So we'll see how that works these last four games. But yeah, but I think what you said, theories on the way you described the map is fine. I just don't think the Warriors care. They they just want to get healthy, but. That's tough, man. It's giving me shades of 2016, you know, when they were lighting it up. And then Steph, you know, Steph got hurt, remember? And then he came back against Portland, you know, did the I'm here, I'm back. But then you saw in the finals, you know, can't get by Kevin Love. You know what I mean? Like, you just – it's just whenever you get something like that late in the season, you just never know, like, when it'll flare up again or when it'll show itself. So, we'll see, man. We just got to see him see, run, right? What you say? They didn't have a Jordan Poole back then. That, that's right. That's right. Like I said, and I, and I also want to say thank you for bringing that up because I want to say this. I think more so me, I think we both kind of share, had a little bit of doubt about Jordan Poole earlier in the year. He's completely shut that down for me. Yep. I complete faith in him as a number two shot creator. He yep. has he has the, the quote-unquote the goods. He, he is what they look like. That's yes, that's exactly. That's what they say. He is what they look like. So – Jordan Poole has completely silenced my doubter as a number two um, shot creator on, on, a, on a contender. He's for sure got it. Uh, they definitely have some decisions to make this off. I know they're not going to add another 25 mil contract to that. So I think your boy might be. <laughs> oh, no, Wiggins is for sure gone. But I think uh, <laughs> even Morrow is talking. It's a possibility they might move one of the court. Right? Yeah, I think. And honestly, I think it might the, the way that I got that some too from guys might it might more so be it might more more, more so be Clay than than uh than Dre. No, 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 no. That that's 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 what I would that's yeah. what I was doing. Because you, know, <laughs> you know they so you know a little bit of insider info, somebody I really trust. You know, they approached Clay about coming off the bench to keep Poole starting. And Clay was like, hell no. <laughs> so like this. That that happened. Like that's what somebody I 100 percent trust. So I, there's definitely a little bit of a little bit of angst there, depending how this season you know turns out. So we'll see what happens from there. And, and Dre's been re- Dre's been revitalizing. He's too key to them on both ends of the floor. As bad as his offense can be at times, he's he knows their system in and out offensively. Knows how to pass that guys up. And he's, I mean, he's a all time defender. One of the top arguably one of the top five we've ever seen in, in, in who. So it's like he, he can't go this based off like he's too he's too much of a utility guy for them to, to be right. let go. So as good as Clay is shooting wise, you know, he, he's taken enough of a step back on his shooting and defense to where you can now actually find a guy to fill his role. Right. As crazy as that sounds. Right. It's crazy. You know, Clay mess around and, you know, Shoot forty eight percent three the whole playoff run. They'll say, forget it. We'll put the bill and just try. yeah, you know? yeah. So I mean, that, 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 is, that is possible. <laughs> and so we'll see what happens. Um, so we both share some sentiments on this online um, regarding team building in the past. 
So mm-hmm. I, I'm asking you, the Nets and the Lakers completely bought into the 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 three stars model full on in these past couple off seasons. The Nets actually had a lot of good pieces. I liked, you know, flip those to get James Harden. I knew Lakers back and heard them. Right. The, the, the Lakers traded all of their role players for Westbrook. Um, Who was going to come back and hurt him? Yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I remember the pods around that Nets trade. I remember we both were like, are we sure KD and Kai and those players isn't enough? I think we both asked the same question. And actually what the Lakers did to acquire Westbrook, which we both said before it even happens, like, why him? Because of the, of the fit. And it's been the you know a predictable disaster. If you were gonna be cheap. Why you could have just got the rose though? Yeah, right. Just give yourself an excuse with the hard cap. <laughs> but <laughs> right. So um, some people agree. I got a lot of pushback. I think the concept of team building is, is going to change, and I think Absolutely. teams are going to be building, leaning more into two stars in depth than these big three models, and that's kind of how I feel. Um, I know the, the 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 one I mentioned could be more expensive because you have a lot of really good players. The market tends to overpay them, so the tax mm-hmm. bill gets high. I think that's uh, why a lot of teams prefer the three big guys, and you can fill it out with minimums and mid levels, right? And it's but I just think the LeBrons, KDs, those are once in a lifetime talents, and every team just doesn't get to touch those. So I think teams are going to be putting a lot more stock into the draft, try to, you know, if, if they are really bad, hit those on those top five picks, try to find great talent, and then try to supplement those guys with really good players instead of fishing for, you know, the, the big ones. So how, how do you feel about that, you know, change going back? It used to be that way. I think it's kind of going back. It would be going back, actually. It's kind of it's going back to that. It's not really a change. You know why we're having this conversation? The salary cap give it and take it away. That's why we're having this conversation. The salary cap is the reason why all these big three teams are mid. When you get all those big contracts, you can't sign anybody else. You just can't. You don't have enough money. Um, and then, you know, with, in, in contrast, you know, the soft cap, uh, if you have two stars, it allows you to retain all the other guys, but then you have to pay a big luxury tax bill, which, again, is why I keep saying to all these people, stop having a, a salary cap. It's not going to help you. Just let whoever <laughs> want to spend, spend. Like, that's really just what it is because at the end of the day, they're going to spend anyway, so just let them spend without the, the luxury tax bill. But I get it. You know, teams don't want to win. They got to eat. So it's like, yeah, we're going to split that. We're going to split that luxury tax evenly. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it's when you had those big threes and you look at the all the big threes that have won over the years, where have they always had? They've always had outside of the Celtics with in 2008. And even then, you know, you can argue about KG being how all the time he was. But all those big threes, a lot of them have always had a completely all-time, top 10, all-time player. You look at the Spurs, they had Duncan. You look at the Warriors, you had, even with even when KD wasn't there, you had Curry, who's borderline top 10. And then when KD came there, you had arguably two borderline top 10s, KD, Curry. Then you had, in the Heat, you had a top 20 guy in Wade. Then you had, obviously, LeBron, who arguably the greatest ever. Yeah, right, right, right. You know what I mean? You go to even just um, before that, even then in the 80s, when you go to, like, Bird, McHale, McHale and them, you had, you know what I mean? That's Bird. 
top 10 all time, arguably, you know, Mikhail top 25, top 30 type all time guy. Then you obviously go to the Lakers, Kareem, Magic, two arguably top five all time. You know what I mean? It's like right. these are, like you said, the greatest ever. Like you basically have to draft LeBron and KD for this big three thing to most likely work in your favor because, like you said, you will be signing minimums. Yeah, you gotta have that. You gotta hide that. You gotta hide that time. You had to hide. You have to be able to hide those minimums with all-time talent because it's not gonna be easy. And and even in the cat, even in the situation with the big three calves, even though it wasn't really a big three. They, they were able to get away with being competitive even though Love was underperforming because they actually paid the bill to retain all the guys that they had there. Yeah, so, I remember Gilbert. Gilbert put a hell of a bill. Hell of a bill. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't no means. It wasn't no means. And, and even then, it was hell for them to be able to win because they had to compete against Golden State. So it's like, it's the cost benefit of paying for three stars, especially in today's era because so many because the NBA talent is so... I, I was just going there. I was just... That, that's great part of just going there. It's so close. Like guys who get that nod, like for example, BI is not going to get a certain type of contract because he doesn't have enough all time. He doesn't have enough all NBA teams as somebody else, like a Levine or something, right? Right. Or a Levine or something. But like you pay a Levine or you pay somebody like um, a Damar who's going to get all time. Like let's say you paid them like the max contract and then Brandon Ingram is a tier below. You just paid a guy who you could get a, another guy who's almost just as good and save like 15 to 20 mil yeah. a year. But because he made all NBA, guy, because he made one all NBA, doesn't matter how good they actually are on the court because he has a specific accolade or because he got, you know, these specific nods from the fan voting and all star, he's qualified for more money. So what you have is got teams are paying max money to guys who are not real max players in terms of how much better they are than certain other players. So you're getting overpaid stars. So because because you have overpaid stars, that three-star model is even more expensive now than it was back then. I'm laughing because I remember remember when Kemba Kemba got that All-NBA, was it over Clay, that last spot or whatever? Mm -hmm. I remember Clay was hot. And then I remember MJ, because Kemba's contract was going to be too high. Now, because MJ let him walk to Boston. <laughs> and Boston paid him. What happened? Yes. <laughs> like, like, come on, like, like that. This is the reality of the NBA. Like, this is the reality. Of the NBA. It just takes one All NBA team, and all of a sudden, you got an overpaid star. Like, that's <laughs> really how the NBA functions. So that's why these three star teams don't work because these stars, relative, you know, in comparison to the field and to their contract, are overpaid. Like, right, imagine right. you paying, like, you're paying. Um, like, like you're paying Kemba Walker 30 mil or the Knicks even paid him 20 mil. And you got someone like Jalen Brunson who may, who's who's going to be capped out like 10 mil. Right. The second round. Pick. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, these are, like, like you, this is why it, it's not like these teams are going to be going towards the draft. This is why Scott, you uh, know, the um, Presti saw that in OKC. He's like, no, I'm drafting because <laughs> I need to be able to retain guys who flash here and there keep them under friendly contracts instead of overpaying for stars that at the end of the day, they're not really worth how much I pay them. You know, you know why, you know why OKC is saying we might want to trade SGA because SGA for how much he's making yep. compared to who he's competing against might not be worth that. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like let him go to another team that can pay them and let us save money and try to really 
draft a real superstar that we can actually build our team with and not just a regular all-star. I think that's what they want. I honestly think that's what they wait though. Until they get a guy. <laughs> that's, really, that's really it. That's really it. Like, that's really the logic. I don't want to give a all-star superstar money when I could just draft a superstar. That's what it comes down to. Right. Man. Yeah, I was really interested in what you thought about that. I just uh, – I'm with you on that. Um, I think we both we both said we think it's crazy that the all-NBA teams have money tied to them. We both said that for, like, both two years now crazy, on this podcast. Man. Oh, that next CBA is going to be really interesting. Really interesting to next Ooh. CBA <clears throat> because having money tied to this stuff. And not only that, I can hear the explanations of some of this stuff. I know these guys will be like, they got money tied to these idiots on TV. Like, shout out, Rods. <laughs> I love black women on TV. But when you come on TV saying uh, David Booker overall importance to his team is not there, he's the offensive engine on a 60 win team. Like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. You could go on TV and say stuff like that. Like, it's just very, very odd to me. But moving forward, man. Um, lastly, James Harden. So they won today because Embiid went absolutely bananas. But it was a struggle. Uh, I'm watching, and I'm like, dude. That's why I looked it up. So his extension, uh, a max extension for Harden is four years, $223 million. Um. A lot of Sixer fans are like, hell no. And other ones are like, well, we kind of have to because you you trade or you're going to lose it for nothing. Uh, Where are you with that? I saw you gave a pretty good explanation about why, how there's a way for him to be effective and why, you know, we have, I think you already can see that they have to do it. Yeah. So, like, you already, but you played the glass half full, uh, look at it by saying, it's a way for him to still get his 20 and be a top-tier playmaker, which he still is. So I'll let you take it about hard going for these next four years. Yeah, I mean, we can all start off with one. Um, it won't be as bad to the cap because they will get off Tobias Harris' contract. Number <laughs> one, they will get off his contract. So they, oh, he goes. they won't have to worry about retaining Max or anybody else. They will be able to get off the Tobias' contract. And Maury's one of the best guys at getting guys on the margins. So you won't have to worry about whether you'll be able to field a competitive team. And also, if you talk about who's going to maximize Harden in terms of the scheme, Mike D'Antoni will coach the 76ers. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about that either. That's that's two things. Philly fans, I know you hate to say, I know you don't want to waste Embiid season, but I mean, this season was from the way Ben Simmons came in, the way Harden was looking, and not un- unsure of what he wanted in his life right now. It, it was always going to be a wash for you this season. But you know what? There's there's light at the end of the tunnel. You got a decent future. You got, you know, you hit on draft picks in terms of Dybul, who's a good defender for you to have, build with going forward. Maxie is nice. Tyrese Maxie, who you know is going to be a dynamic guard for you to be that third guy off Embiid and Harden. So you can, you can take pressure off those guys going forward, especially after a playoff run and another offseason of development. And it's like, you know, you're going to get off Tobias Harris, so you're going to have cap space to be able to add guys on the margins and add true shooters and 3 and D guys that can fit. Um, you might be able to, you know, I, I think more will be able to hit on a guy who can replicate that Seth Curry production from three. You saw Dallas how was able to revitalize Reggie Bullock. I think the I think the, the uh, 76ers can make a move like that where they'll get a nice little shooting wing for them to add on. And uh, they'll be off Danny Green's contract as well, so they'll probably replace him. He make ten, bro. He make ten. 
Exactly. He'll be able, they'll be able to replace him with a much younger, you know, wing that can for the, for that for that money. So they have a lot of things going for them. For 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 it's just you have to eat this season. Uh, Harden it came in out of shape, and I don't know if it's his hammy or whatever, but he's just not physically was not well this whole season. It's not changing. Um, but here's the light at the end of the tunnel with Harden. Um, Harden is much bigger than Chris Paul. Um, He's a much better scorer than Chris Paul. Even in this washed state, he can do much more than Chris Paul can score in the ball. And as you can see, Chris Paul is the second best player on a team that won 65 games. He is the second best player. Many people say he's the best player, but I mean, we both know he is the second best player on a team that is a championship contender, Chris Paul, right? You don't think James Harden, if you believe Embiid is really that guy, if your front office GM can really build a, a roster, that will complement the skill set. I just don't see how you can be upset with James Harden being your second best player and Chris Paul is the second best player of a championship team. Like, I just don't see how you can really be upset with that because they both have the same shortcomings in the playoffs and one is just clearly better than the other right. and he's younger and he has a game that could actually age better if he just took himself seriously in the offseason. So that's what I he, did. That, that's, that is where I was going. Yeah, the thing so about for, Chris Paul is insane about his fitness right. and nutrition. Like he exactly. doesn't, he's keto or vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, does it like we we like what Harden does in off season is well documented. <laughs> well documented. Um, <laughs> like I think somebody put it best. He's just on. A, he's he's like Charles Barkley. Like I play yeah. my I'll play my Guard, way in the shape. I play, play my way in the shape. Like that's why I'll get here or whatever. How I get here and I play my way in the shape and I'll get going by the second half of the season. The thing is. We do that with a hamstring. You can never get yourself going when you get hurt. That's always the issue. The thing is, Harden had amazed me all those years because Harden has been a tank for almost a decade now. That was like the crazy part. Like, I remember watching this, like, he's big, out of shape. He would never get hurt. He would never get hurt. And then these last couple of years, man, it just started to happen. And he can't, you can't play yourself with a shape if you're not playing, right? So it just looks real bad when he plays. Like, I just think right now, I know a lot of people don't believe in the Raptors because they don't have that quote unquote that guy. But I'm telling you, of all the matchups that the that the Sanders could pull in the first round, that's one of the worst. Because he just, I know Hard likes to get screens to to give himself advantages. You, he'll he won't be able to with that team. Uh, it's gonna be four, six, eight switchable guys and a big out there, and Beats will have to average 37, 38 points a game for him to win that series. Harden's just not going to have them. Right now, that's who they're starting to play. I think that's like the worst possible matchup. And all it takes is a couple, you know, hot shooting, Flair Van Fleet games, which he's very sure he's capable of. And then all of a sudden, you down 3-2, going to Toronto in game six. And, you know, the, the jokes, we make jokes, but the stats are the stats. We have seen Harden in those back-to-the-wall situations. And at 99% of the time, it has not been pretty. So, like, if they lose in the first round, I, like, if they play Toronto, I'm going to pick Toronto. Like, the only, only team I would pick them to beat is the Bulls if they get that matchup. Every other team, I will pick the other team right now. Looking at the East in, the, in, the, in that top six, which is where they're going to end up. They finish top two, I'll pick them over the play-in team. But three through six, I will pick those teams, any team except the Bulls over the, the 76ers. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics have MB's number. That's what I was going to say. They got Horford for that reason. I might, I might, I might take the nah because even if even somehow there was some weird way where they drew the heat for some reason, like even if there was some weird way that that happened, 
uh, Spo would dial up some defense to give Harden a hell. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. But, um, you know, the thing with Harden, and I think we've said this every year now for, like, how many seasons, he just has to – he just has to take himself seriously. <laughs> because it's really not a skill set problem with Harden. That's the thing with Harden. It's not a skill set problem. Never it's, like this, it's not like he can't shoot from the mid range. It's not like he doesn't have a floater in his game. It's not like he doesn't have these things. It's like he doesn't care to incorporate that and he doesn't care to put his body in shape to consistently do these things. Like that's that's his problem. So when he decides to actually get into some shape, maintain year-round shape maintain year-round drills and year-round work on his in his on his game so that he can be in game shape year-round and he comes in next year with the mindset that we can win a championship because we have a great team and I want to work then they'll be the Sixers will be where they need to be because Harden can easily give you 25 and 12 and and beat score 30 and all of a sudden you that's a problem team when you have Harden give you 25 12 yeah and be giving you 30 you got Maxie giving you almost you know maybe give you 20 next year and you got a bunch of nice little uh three and d guys that you know Maury's probably no Maury's gonna poach from around the league uh, in the offseason like that's gonna be a problem that's gonna be a big problem so it's all it, like I told Tony it's on Harden bro because the recipe to win is there he's gonna get his coach in the offseason it's on Harden, bro. It's on Harden to finally take winning seriously. Like, he has to just take winning seriously. Like, that's just what it comes down to. He doesn't take winning seriously. So he has to just sit down and take winning seriously and understand for his team to win, they need him. Can't ride on somebody else's coattails. He has to be the one to do it, and he has to take that serious. That's just what it comes down to. There it is. Make sure you guys follow and subscribe to Pod. Drop feedback. I'm sure 76er fans will be delighted after hearing Kings paint that rosy picture for them. They're going to be hyped. Um, it's, good, it's good on paper. It's good right. on paper. <laughs> right. Make sure you follow at its Kings, bro, on Twitter. Myself, JJ Mavis 55 underscore MST. Uh, give us feedback. Anything you want to hear us talk about, we will be back Wednesday live on Spotify Green Room. Please join us. We will see you then. And we are out of here. Peace out.